0: What's up, everybody? It is Soccer Chat, your weekly coaching podcast brought to you by some great friends every single week, like your good friends over at Dutik Brand. Check them out, Dutikbrand.com, where you can get yourself a sweet discount by using the promo code Soccer Chat at discount. And I have you know, Nick, I actually saw this this morning when I was checking it out. They are currently doing, you get three of the XLs Three of the XLs for $30 right now. So go on there, get you three XLs for $30 and make sure to put in the promo code SOCCERCHAT and get yourself a sweet discount. Big shout out to our friends over at TORRX, T-O-R-R-X.com for the world's greatest ball pump. My team is absolutely loving using our TORRX. Uh, if you don't have a TORRX, you need to get one. I know a lot of a lot of my coaching friends have gotten them just in the last few weeks and they are absolutely loving it. Check it out, Torrx.com And when you give them a rating, on amazon make sure to let them know that the soccer chat guys sent you man what a, a great opportunity we have here it is the you know more than just a podcast we also meet every single wednesday night you can join the conversation with us every single wednesday night at 9:30 p.m eastern time where nick has so graciously done a great job of running the twitter <laughs> chat uh, over the last few weeks and uh, so make sure to uh, to hop on there connect with other coaches answer some questions in a q1 a1 format and just spread your knowledge and get some more knowledge from others from all across the globe it's a listener supported podcast supported by people just like you so make sure to share out the links every single week when you get your new episode of soccer chat and let your friends know that you're listening and let us know that you're liking it as well as always nick is getting married sometime in the near future and we know that he wants a nice apple podcast rating and review from you five stars only for a five star man just like nick Rizzo he's Nick I'm Sean and Nick it is uh you know what today is actually what is today today is the day before the day before your first game yes
1: yes okay I was like I thought you were I was like uh, do I do you need me to finish that sentence I, I, I was, was like, I
0: was waiting for you to answer yeah.
1: so it's it's game day eve eve
0: the day before the day before
1: yes eve, I, I totally eve. I
0: totally jacked that from Pete Carroll.
1: Eve squared of game day. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Pretty pumped. You ready to go?
0: I think so. We'll see.
1: It's your, it's your, <laughs> your college coaching at Brescia debut. Ooh.
0: And unfortunately, it's going to be streamed live on the World Wide Web <laughs> for everyone to watch. There's a lot
1: of, a lot of witnesses, a lot of evidence Gary,
0: uh, Gary, Gary, yo, uh, who was on a few episodes ago, texted me yesterday and said, I swear if there's not a camera that just follows you around specifically for if your team scores, um, I don't know if I want to watch, which I had to respond. We only have one camera, so it's not going to be on me. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we've had one event uh, on campus so far. Uh, We had 91 viewers of of a volleyball match. And so my goal is to try to get 291 people to watch our game. Uh, this Saturday at 4 p.m. Central Time. Shameless plug there. Um, shameless plug. Shameless plug. We but get, uh, link
1: link will be included
2: below.
0: <laughs> uh, it's on the uh, the bear Bearcats Facebook page where you can go watch for free. It's not going to cost you anything. And uh, feel free to hop into comments, give a shout out uh, if you want to, but let me know that uh, that you are watching. Uh, but I'm I'm super jacked. It's one of those where like. Cause somebody I've had a lot of people text me this week. Like, Hey, like, are you ready? Of course the, the answer is like, you're never ready. Yeah. But I'm, and I've been asked like, are you super jacked up? And I think the thing that I've, I've kind of responded to everybody is like I'm as jacked up as I'll allow myself to get. Um, I'm really just trying like, normally I would be bouncing off the walls for the first game. And in this instant um, I'm kind of just like, just i'm i'm just gonna like soak it in i guess
1: yeah no it's it's tough it's fun though i mean like i remember mine at home against blackburn god it was five years ago now probably around this time like two weeks ago five years ago um and yeah same thing where i was just like i think for me it was just a like you want to start off well no matter what the result you just want to make sure that like you leave the game and the, the kids are still feeling pretty good about themselves and so I think for you, like, I'm sure you, you're doing all this stuff to make sure that they're feeling really good going into the game and no matter what happens, they're going to feel really good going out of it.
0: Yeah, I know we did a uh, uh, – got the girls some uh, some special pregame wear uh, that we we gave to them last night, and we had posted the video um, on our social media pages, uh, kind of our, this identity that we're creating. And uh, shout out to my wife. Like, there multiple, there's multiple – there's – if you've listened to soccer chat or you've been a part of some of our zoom calls, you will hear familiar voices, uh, on this video uh, that we posted, but the voice you're probably not going to recognize, uh, is my wife's. And my wife just absolutely killed it. Um, and like everything that she said was like off the dome, didn't write anything down, which is kind of crazy for her. Uh, and I was just, I listened to it. I was like, man, like, this sounds like a commercial. Um, but yeah, it's exciting times. and uh, I'm just like, man, like, don't blow it (laughs) don't blow it you uh so so we'll we'll see man first game conference game uh school hasn't won a conference game in five years so if we can if we can pull it off this saturday it's going to be uh it's going to be a fun weekend
1: that will be very very fun we're all all, i I imagine you'll 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 be able to hit that 293 just from the soccer chat community alone
0: i hope so man and not even
1: including parents
0: if we, if we can pull off the W, uh, I'm going to say a virtual social gathering, uh, on zoom after the game for all soccer chat, uh,
1: friends. That works. That absolutely works.
0: So what's been going on with you, man?
1: Nothing. Just coaching. Uh, we're at practice. You want to come practice. down
0: here and coach for me? So I don't Tell have God, to. No. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would help. Anything. Um, your girls are, your girls are in the best spot they can be because you're their coach. Um, but yeah no. oh as, as we're
0: saying this, I just noticed that um in our uh coaches' chat um people are talking about uh you know like with how wagers go for uh for e p l games and uh there's some banter going on between a couple of coaches who are getting ready to play this weekend, and now people are wanting to know what the uh odds are for um the Brescia game <laughs> and there's i don't think there's i don't think there's any odds uh for for us it's but okay. this is the the cool thing is listening to uh, Richmond Brandon Denoy is at Richmond, right? Yeah, Richmond, yeah. Uh, Richmond, and uh, uh, Dustin Stein from Pitt, just kind of seeing the back and forth. I'm I'm loving this,
1: dude. Well, because well, Pitt, Pitt has Syracuse this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm not looking. My watch is blowing up, but I'm not. I'm not looking at it. Right yeah, now. that's
0: what that's what they're uh, that's what they're doing.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, no, but everything's good here. Let's, I'm heading. It's gonna be a long day today. I'm heading up recruiting uh, to Rockford. And then I'm going to go to that event. I'll get home by probably like 11, 1130 tonight. And then we have practice at 6 a.m. tomorrow. So I'm going to be going to be a wow. quick turnaround going into tomorrow. But I'm, I am mean, I mean, again, I, all of us, I think, would give anything to be able to keep coaching. So I do not care that I am going to be operating off very little sleep tomorrow. I'm very excited to be coaching. And I, I've been posting a lot of videos and stuff of our team and everything on on Twitter and stuff. And just, I, I realize that I'm kind of, I've always kind of been one of those coaches where I don't really post what we practice a lot. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to try to change that this, this fall season to get out my stuff. And, and again, I, one of our good friends, Shannon, uh, she said, she's like, it's honestly, she's like, I've never done it. Cause it's kind of scary because there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions out there, but to be honest, everyone's had really good things to say about the stuff we're doing. And a few people have even asked me like what the setup for like some of the different things we're doing are. And so that's been cool is just to be able to put my product out there a little bit more of what we like to do and things that we're passionate about training and stuff. And so it's been fun just to get that out and get the feedback.
0: We, um, I I just completely went blank on what you were saying. Um, (laughs) Oh, look at you. This is exactly what I was going to say. Look at you being able to carry on without Katie Reese.
1: I I'm not doing well, but uh, <laughs> I was talking to her a lot. I was me and her was uh snapchatting back and forth last night. She's thriving too. She played in her first adult soccer league last night. So she, she snapchatted me uh like a, a picture of her cleats and that she was ready to go for the game and stuff. So we ended up talking a little bit and she's jealous because like she's seen some of the videos and she remembers what it was like when we first got here and she's just like, I I wanna come back because I wanna keep winning competitions. So I was like, let's not get out of ourselves, but um it, the team looks good and the freshmen are doing great. And so I think she just, she's kind of feeling some FOMO right now being there. Cause she, she got to meet a lot of these freshmen when they were coming in and obviously got to coach our sophomores, juniors and seniors. So, but it's been fun, but yeah, not, not thriving. Definitely just keeping status. Quo.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, you're still functioning.
1: Club we're still posting stuff. You're, you're functioning
0: on your own. How about that?
3: <laughs> yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> we have uh we have a special guest this week and and Nick, you know, you kind of, Uh, brought to my attention that it's, it's awesome. Why, you know, not why we had this guest on this week, but we've recorded this beforehand and it just so happens to be a a special time uh, to have this person on.
1: Yeah. So uh, starting uh, September 15th, we didn't realize this at the time uh, it starts Hispanic heritage month. And so September 15th through October 15th, uh, it's celebrating Hispanic heritage and um, the Latin culture and stuff like that, which is great because the person we have on is uh, a good friend a good friend of the show. And, Kind of, you're going to see his journey and talk about why it's somewhat difficult to be a dreamer in the United States and to be a first-generation Hispanic person. And just listen—you, I don't think you're going to be able to listen to his story and not just become a little emotional watching what he had to go through to graduate college and where he's at now, coaching at Tulsa. I mean, it's just—it's awesome to see his journey and everything. So we're, we're really excited to share this story with you, and uh, we really hope you enjoy it.
0: It's a, uh, a great story, uh, and, and, and we hope that you, you listen to it. Make sure to, uh, to reach out to the coach, and the info uh, will be all of his contact info. Uh, you're definitely going to, to love it. You're going to appreciate it. Uh, and if you're kind of like Nick and myself, it's going to make you want to try to do more uh, to help out uh, these students that our, our coach this week gets to talk about.
2: And when the evening rolls around, body down And when the morning light comes streaming in I'll get up and do it again Amen Say it again Amen I want to know what became of the changes we waited for love to bring Were they only the fitful dream Of some greater awakening I've been aware of the time going by They say in the end, it's the wink of an eye When the morning light comes streaming in You'll get up and do it again Between the longing for love And the struggle for the legal tender
3: Where the sirens sing And the church bells
2: ring
0: and the Every week, illustrious guests. And dare I say, you know, we've had a lot of heavy hitters on the show, Nick, but if you were to look at all the names, I don't know if anyone has this, like, Hollywood-style name that we've had on 150 some odd episodes now than we do today with Rodell Fierro Perez. Like that sounds like a list movie star. It's
1: got a, it's got appeal to it for sure. Like it's definitely got name appeal for sure.
0: Like I wish I I'm, I'm horrible. I cannot roll my R's, but I feel like if you like on the Fierro and the Perez, or I guess even the Rodell too, like man, like the right, voice would just like tear that up to where all of Hollywood would be like sign him up every movie we're, we're doing it
1: i can't roll my eyes either so rodel like give us your name in like how it would be actually be if we could speak spanish
0: uh
4: it would be raudel fierro perez
1: that sounds way cooler than the way we say it sean
0: yeah absolutely like that screams like movie star heartthrob <laughs> on the cover of people magazine
4: Maybe, maybe I am in the wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when I, when I was a kid, um, my senior year of high school, my theater arts teacher had us do these like world goals. Uh, and she wanted us to open it up in like 15 years and see if we like met those goals. And, uh, mine was to be a famous actor and when people's sexiest man of the year award and neither of those have happened. So there's still, there's still hope for you, Rodel. <laughs>
1: You're young. I mean, you're 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 still just pretty fresh out of college, so you got you got your time to figure this all out. Me and Sean are a little past our prime.
4: Yeah.
0: So you're you're a Loris guy. I understand.
4: I am. Yeah. Graduated I, last fall.
0: I don't understand why Nick keeps bringing on Loris people. Um, I you know and I I I, so. I I wish I could remember. This is really bad of me. The Loris assistant coach uh, that was at Exact this year. Uh, I got to chat with her for a little bit, Jill. Jill, yeah, Jill. Oh my gosh, how could I forget, Coach Jill? Um, Jill and I were chatting. and I was like, Jill, what's why does why does every time that we have somebody from Loris on our show, why do we get a bad rap about Loris? And she's like, I don't know, because we're the best. <laughs> and I was like, I feel like that's the most appropriate answer that you can give. Uh, as you know, everybody's listening to this, but Nick and Rodell are both shaking their head. Yes. Confirming. <laughs>
1: no, uh, no, we are not. <laughs> Lies. Lies.
0: I saw the head nods. It's okay. <laughs> um, so, you know, let's be in fresh into the game. Like, how did you get to this point now being at Tulsa, getting into coaching from, uh, from just recently getting done playing.
1: And you can, yeah, so we, I- we have people start at like U five. I mean, you can go back all the way there, but, uh. Just, you, can, you can walk through your coaching journey at whatever starting point you want.
4: Yeah, so for me uh,
0: – I begged goals every day as a U9 player.
1: At West and Liberty back in the day.
4: <laughs> no, I actually – like for me it was – you know, I, I'm originally from Mexico. I moved here when I was 11 years old. Um, I mean, I grew up in Mexico playing the game. You know, you, you got to school early and played – you know, you played in Reese's, You played after school. Um, I feel so like it would be a go-
0: class there.
4: Oh, it was. I mean, <laughs> it was funny because now I joke about it with my friends. But one of our favorite things about you know when we were young um, is that we used to rush to the to the field to be the first ones on the field because you would play like. Uh, fourth grade against fifth grade. And then, oh, yeah. you know, third grade would have to sit and play the loser or the winner. You know, like, so you wanted to be the first one at the field to make sure that you had the field so you could play. Um, so, yeah, it was, um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, that's all I did growing up. And when I moved to the U.S., I landed in a small town in Iowa. I went from living in big city, Mexico, to small town, Iowa. Um, that was quite the change Um, but yeah just I grew up playing in Westerudy and um, a a lot of adult league actually teams in town would let me train with them and then eventually I got myself into a club in the Iowa City area eventually got myself into ODP um, and then one thing led to another I ended up at Laura's and um, yeah graduated last fall Um, all through college I coached I worked a summer for Corver coaching in Minnesota. I uh, did a lot of camps through them. Um, that was kind of like my first uh, real uh, digging into coaching. The, you know, the coaching grind, we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, worked a camp pretty much like for eight straight weeks, every week, somewhere different. Um, and then I got back and Rother had just started Key City Soccer Association, um, a smaller club in Dubuque. Uh, and I started just like any other college guy working the Sunday night or Sunday afternoon uh, rec league and then after a semester of that um, I took a team and then after a team I got promoted to assistant DOC and then our DOC left and then my last two years of college I was the DOC and was a full-time student-athlete
0: that's crazy
4: yeah I was busy um i never had any i mean yeah time off my days off from coaching from playing i was coaching somewhere um yeah i was i was busy uh but then after that you know obviously we we had a dynamic at loris where we spent a lot of times in in the office um just hanging out with the coaches and seeing what they did um and last summer I had the opportunity to work a soccer camp at Creighton with Johnny Torres. And I had an idea that this is what I wanted to do with my life. Um, but I thought, you know, being, you know, growing up in the Midwest, I think one of the biggest things that you hear about is Creighton soccer camps, right. Every Mm -hmm. summer. Um, and truly when I got to Creighton and walking into Morrison and seeing the field and talking to Johnny and, and Gab, um, just about the you know what it entitles to be a coach you know coach and how did they got there and, and their journeys. That's I think that's when it really really set in like okay this is what I want to do with my life. Um, yeah, and then after that, obviously uh, played my last season last fall. Um, I had a job lined up before COVID. Um, I was gonna be full time coach at a club, and then was was gonna be a volunteer at another um, school. Um, but then COVID hit and that wasn't going to be an opportunity for me anymore to do that. And to be honest with you, I was actually got to the point this summer where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to coach club for a year and kind of see where this whole COVID things, you know, where, where does it go? And that week that I had finally said like, okay, whatever, I'm staying home and, and coaching club. Um, I got a, I woke up to a text on a Saturday from, one of my friends, uh, Mikey Pay, who's now the head coach at Clark University on the men's side, he graduated from Creighton. I met him at the Creighton camp saying that he had gotten an email from the Tulsa staff asking if they knew of any volunteers. And he's like, I just talked to the coaches. You got to get on it. One interview led to another. Um, and I took the volunteer position here at Tulsa.
0: Super cool. I, I'm still... I almost said flabbergasted. I think that's the correct terminology. I am still amazed, like knowing what my, the DLCs that I have worked for, what all they've had to do. And to think of like doing those things while you're not just a college student full-time, but also a student athlete playing at a high level. What, like how in the world did you pull that off?
4: Dude, I graduated and it, I, to this day, I don't know how I did it. I mean, I got, so, I mean, it was a smaller club. We had about probably eight traveling teams. um, And then we had about 150 red kids. So about, you know, I would say like just under 250 kids. And our whole approach to club soccer was different than from what, uh, you know, most clubs are. We wanted to keep the cost low. So we did a lot of fundraising. Our jerseys were tatted. Um, we had a lot of volunteer coaches, parents, players, college kids, and who a lot of them actually, you know, they were volunteering their time, didn't have the time to actually structure a session and do that. So we, I would show up an hour early to the, you know, the field. Um, I would set up all the drills and then we ran a station-based training system. Um, we found that it was a lot more practical for us to do that and actually more efficient. um, And it was actually less stress from the coaches. Um, Yeah. But I mean, the administrative work. um, Yeah. I mean, it was a lot.
3: (laughs) No kidding. Uh, No
0: kidding.
4: And then on top of that, I I always tell people like, I graduated with an international studies degree and a minor in business, but um, I've always taken what I do very seriously. And I probably have a major in psychology and um, coaching education. I mean, I've read so many articles, you know, because I wanted to make sure that I provided the best possible environment for those kids. Um, and also just to prepare myself for whatever came after that. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was a grind there. There's really no other, like I said, I, I graduated and I remember, I mean, the coaches, Pucci, Rother used to tell me like, dude, enjoy your college years. Um, but I look back on it and i i wouldn't trade anything about it i think thanks to that it led me to the creighton camp and from the creighton camp it led me to be in uh at a great program that is you know tulsa university with some great people um so it's one of those things that i mean it paid off
1: yeah i'm interested because i mean again i coached high school when i was there and i remember how crazy that day, those days were. What, like, just for the people that are listening, what was a day in the life for you, especially during, like, the harder club season while you were still in school? Like, what was a typical day in the life?
4: So I'll take you guys through, like, essentially the fall. Um, we played in a league that we got to schedule our own games on the dates and times with other programs. So um, we, we I guess we used that to our advantage to make sure that we structured everything around – rother's nice schedule you know through the season um so essentially i would you know let's say d- during the season um a week where we played maybe a middle of the week home game and a weekend home game as well um i would train i would go from i would wake up at 7 you know 6 7 go to class 8 9 a.m uh in between classes get some homework studying done um eat lunch Go to class, do more homework, get some work done. Uh, Go to club training an hour early, set up everything, pick everything up, take it back to the shed, go straight to the locker room, change, go to training, Uh, finish with training about, depending on the day, 8, 9 p.m., Um, go home, eat some dinner, do homework till midnight, one in the morning, repeat the next
1: day. Did your friends think you were crazy? Like your soccer teammates are like, they're like the ones probably like having beers and getting drunk during the week. And they're about like, I was yeah. waiting
0: for him to be like, what friends? <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I mean my friends. Yeah. Uh,
4: yeah. I mean, I mean most, most of the times when they were going out, um, I was usually, you know, I usually joined, but I had to be responsible because I had to be bright and early on the road somewhere. Um, Yeah. And yeah, it was, my my story was completely different than everyone else's, but like I said, but it paid off, you know? Um, yeah, but it was crazy. (laughs) I still can't believe I did it.
1: Where did you, where do you think you got that from? Because I I think most people that end up having that type of story, that type of work ethic, like it it comes from somewhere. Where do you think that came from for you?
4: Do, um, yeah, no, I think, uh, I had to work, to pay for school um you know i, I uh, on my twitter and on my social media i'm pretty open about being an undocumented dreamer uh for those that don't know what that is um you know i was brought to this country when i was young um i guess under a tourist visa i overstayed my visa and oh. then i eventually got under president obama's um last term, uh, he passed a legislation that essentially kids like myself who were brought to the country under the age of 16 that had a clean record. Um, uh, we have given this, it's called deferred action for early childhood arrivals. So essentially you're protected from being deported. You're giving a social security number that has a stamp on it saying that it's only for work authorization. Um, but the only downside of that is that you don't have access to federal, uh, any sort of federal program. So I couldn't apply for FAFSA. Right. So my story going to college um, was, you know, completely different because most coaches, the first thing you ask, doesn't matter with Division One, Two, Three, Juco, first thing you ask is, how are your grades and have you applied for FAFSA? Yeah. Right. And then you well, work from fine. there. Um, and for me, it was, have you applied for FAFSA? And, cannot tell you how many times I said no because I can't and at the time um when I was in high school the program was pretty new so people didn't know how to process even like an application um of what a DACA student was so like are you a citizen are you a resident are you a temporary resident are you an international student so like how do we go about it uh, so that piece itself was was I guess emotionally draining for um a first generation Latino kid who lived uh, in a household of uh, my mom lives with four kids Dad lives in Mexico Um, again, very limited support Uh, and then being the oldest of four. um, Yeah. So it was just a completely different path uh, for me. But um, I think for me, I think it was kind of going through that um, through that process and saying, I have to work. There's no other way around it. Uh, I have to work to just to make it work. Otherwise, no, it's not just going to be handed to me.
1: Yeah. And like, did you find that actually that was something when you were going through the recruiting process that kind of hurt you at times? Did you find that that somewhat maybe turned a few coaches off towards recruiting you? Because it's like, that's a lot of other loopholes we're going to have to jump through. Not even loopholes, but just another hoops that we're going to have to jump through to to try to make this work for Rodell? Did you find that that was the case sometimes?
4: Oh, uh, definitely, um, and especially as well. Like we talk about, I mean, I could talk about this for days, but talk about a system that isolates talent in this country. You know, if you know, if we talk about college being the path for someone to create a a better future for themselves and their families, there are tons of kids out there who who deserve to, I guess, the opportunity to just get to the college level. It doesn't matter, Division One, Two, Three, Duke, whatever it is. But um, at the time, I mean, I I felt like it was myself against the world, you know. Um, And actually, I guess another big reason of why I want to get into – or why I got into college coaching is uh, when I was getting recruited, Rother was the only guy who said – let's talk in person and and see what we can do. Um, I was 17, 18 years old. I had no idea what that meant. Um, And I actually, I went to the ID camp that summer, which was like a week before preseason. I was all ready to go, pumped. Again, I had no idea how I was going to pay for school, but I was going to go to Laura's and, and, um, you know, and, I was set, I guess, in my mind, but then I got my first bill before I reported to preseason. I was like, there's absolutely no way I'm going to be able to pay for this. So I actually, three days before preseason, I called Rothery saying, dude, I can't do this. Um, I spent my first semester of college at the University of Iowa. I gave up in the game um, and then, you know, to be completely honest, I was giving up on myself. I was to the point where I was working. Um to pay for my tuition at Iowa doing all the things that you're not supposed to do as a student athlete. Um,
1: we, we've all, we've all done those things. You're not. Yeah.
4: Yeah, But some of us
0: many times. (laughs) Yeah.
4: But, um, yeah. And then eventually halfway through the semester, Rother reached out saying, how are you doing? And I said, dude, I'm going to drop out of college. And he said, no, you're not. You're going to transfer and we're going to make it work. Um, and honestly, like for me, that changed my life. Uh, to this day, I'll tell anyone, you know, that phone call with Rothard led to so many good things in my life. Um, made me understand a lot of things about myself and about the world and the people around me. Um, but yeah, after I transferred in the spring, um, yeah, had to do a lot of work and navigate a lot of things. But eventually, like I said, I, I'm i very thankful that I made it. So.
0: Well, I mean, if like, as much as you can divulge, like you talked about like the hoops that you had to jump through just to make the LORIS thing happen. Um, You know, for, uh, I just dealt with my first experience with a a DACA student uh, recruit this past uh, spring and summer. Um, And so for those who are out there who don't really understand like what has to be done through that, like kind of what was your story in that making the transition uh, to LORIS with your situation as a DACA student?
4: Right, so- I guess just to clarify, like you, as a DACA student, you cannot receive federal aid or loans or anything. Eventually, essentially colleges all scholarships or it's out of pocket, which for most DACA students out of pocket is not, you know, not an option. Yeah. It wasn't for me. So I got to Laura's and, you know, full transparency. I, I, I was working and making little payments, but, I was dealing with, you know, the, uh, the department that collects money from students. And they kept asking me, when is the money coming? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, one semester went by, two semesters went by. And um, I, probably the two ye- toughest years of my life, I would say, were those first uh, two years at LORAS where I was an undocumented dreamer and um, didn't have money for school. I didn't want to get in trouble, so I wouldn't go out with my friends and did all the stupid things that, you know, freshmen, sophomores in in college do. And, uh, uh, we
1: have have a little reputation with that, too. So it's, uh, it's, you you probably, you probably were better off not as, not, not going out. Yeah,
4: yeah, I think Rizza knows about that, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, it was, yeah, um, I pretty much isolated myself from the world and the rest of the student body because I was afraid of what if someone finds out, you know, that I'm an undocumented dreamer. Am I gonna get a call that could get me in trouble, you know? Like, but one thing led to another. Um, one semester, so one of the things that I did, kind of to cheat the system, was, you know, in college, like they ask you, well, you need to buy this book. A lot of times you don't actually need it, right? Yeah. So what I did is that if I actually needed a book, I would photocopy the chapters that were needed for class and I would just keep them in a binder. Um, I found, I would find a buddy in class and be like, hey, can I borrow this book? I'll give it to you tomorrow or next time we see each other, whatever. Um, but it got to the point where one semester, I literally needed like 10 books. for And I, there was no other way around it. I needed the books. And I was super stressed. I had three jobs. That This was before coaching. I was... I was coaching at the club. I was working at Chipotle and I had an internship at a bank that was paying me pretty decently on top. I was student athlete. And when I, that semester I was just, I was done. And I, that's when I essentially came out and emailed all my professors and said, look, I haven't been able to turn in my homework because I'm an undocumented dreamer. I don't have money to pay for school. I don't have money to pay for books. Um, I hope you guys can understand that. And then after that email, my story got to um, one of the vice presidents of the school. And then we had a good conversation. And um, yeah, the school was able to work with me. And then um, eventually, after that conversation, he told me, just keep working, keep grinding. We're going to make sure you graduate. Um, But again, it took a lot of (laughs) A lot of work, a lot of stress, man. I mean, if I take my hat off right now, you'll see, like, a bunch of gray hairs from...
1: Oh, stop it. He, he, I, I, if you're listening to this, he's lying. There's no way there's gray in there. <laughs> there's so much gray. You have <laughs> no idea.
0: He's, he's saying this, and it's a full head of black hair. Yeah. No, it's not. But,
1: um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean... And here's, like say- and here's the thing, and I, and I hope anyone listening to this. It's, it, it takes, if nothing else, they take away the fact that a lot of us in around the world. I mean, that is something that so many of us that went to school never had to deal with. I mean, again, I I worked through school a little bit, but my parents were always going to be able to pay for it regardless, you know, and there's a lot of your teammates and a lot of everyone's teammates around the world. I think it's important to get your story out because I think at so many times right now, we're very ungrateful of our situation. I mean, there's so many people out there that I don't think are grateful enough for all the advantages and privileges that we've experienced throughout our entire lives. And to get stories like yours out are so important because if you never hear someone like you actually say what they had to go through. And again, I'm sure there's probably another level of emotion that we don't even need to get to today that you had to go through throughout that time. That is an added thing on top of not only the stress of being able to pay for college, but like you had to show up and play soccer games. And then you had to to
0: say like the stress of all the school stuff, like, who was the people that when he showed up to practice like, yeah, they're going to get the smoke today.
4: Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think you hit it spot on. I think, uh, you know, I, I, when I graduated um, it got to the point where again, it took some work, but I got some confidence in myself to be able to like st- spend, you know, stand up and speak up for myself uh, about my story. Cause I realized that, when you're in those situations, as a, and, and everyone goes through this, right, to some point to another, you know, as a student athlete, you go through so much, and some of us more than others. Uh, but then through my education, I was, and the more I spoke about who I was and my story, man, I realized that there's so many people out there who have it worse than I do. Um, and I think that's something that really stuck with me to this day is that like today, I, I was up bright and early and grinding out in the office and running some privates to make it work. And um, I got home literally right before this call. And yeah, I'm tired, but I'm loving what I do. But there's so many people out there who don't have the privilege of saying, number one, to receive and have access to an education. Uh, number two, having access to a great education where um, at Loras, I was not only prepare for the real world but also uh, taught so many other uh, skills about life and who I was through the education curriculum and, and through some of the different relationships that I had with faculty and staff but also most importantly like if you don't know who you are and how you fit in this world man how are you supposed to play how are you supposed to show up to class and how are you supposed to decide what you want to do with your life when you don't know who where you belong right yeah. so when you speak about your story and, and the things that you've gone through, um, an individual, you know, and a personal level, I think it helps me release some of that anger and things that I have within. But like you mentioned it before, I think hopefully, you know, my story reaches some, a kid, a player, you know, a coach that maybe doesn't understand and they're able to provide a better structure of help for someone who actually needs it.
0: You always hear of people say, whether it's soccer or, may, or you, you hear it a lot of times in basketball, uh, just because of the kids that come from the environments that they're coming through to, to play. And it's that, it's that escape from their everyday environment, whether it may be their home situation or, you know, like in your situation, things going on with school, you know, was it a thing that soon as you got to the field for training or a game that for two hours, you knew you didn't have to worry about that. And you could just go out and and play, enjoy time with your teammates, enjoy time with your coaches. You know, was soccer that release from all that stress that you were dealing with? Like to where you knew, like, hey, two hours a day, I don't have to worry about that. I just got to go play.
4: Honestly, no. Um, in my case, um, I think so. I'm glad you brought that up. We talk about the successes of the few, right? We talk about the Pelé, who had to sell peanuts to buy his cleats. But what we don't talk about is the thousands of players out there who don't make it out, right? So when we talk about the success, we forget about the people that don't actually get out of that. Um, And for me, stepping out on the field, and I'll tell you some of my best training sessions, yes, when when life was great. But I'll tell you right off the bat, one of the worst practices I ever had was the day that the Trump administration first put a request to end DACA. Because I had a talk with Rother Rother and I, I mean, we spent so much time off the field that we never talked when we were on the field. And that was one of the first, the few times out of my four years that he came up to me after training saying, let's chat, because he knew I was not okay. Um, And I think that's something that it, it, it comes with, I think, with the baggage that you carry with being an undocumented dreamer um, and just coming from a, a difficult background. Um, yeah, sometimes we say like, yeah, it's a good way for me to get out. But when the, when the trauma is there for many of us, it blocks you from being who you are. And if, mm-hmm. you, if, if you don't have that opportunity to just express yourself on the field I mean, it's, you're not going to do it off the field. You're not going to do it in the classroom, you know? So um, for me, it was different. Like I said, I, my emotions went hand in hand with the way I played and I was tired all the time. I mean, there was times where literally I would get to the training session and we would start warming up and I'm like, okay, in two hours I get to go to bed. Um, But again, it was part of the grind, part of the the stress and the gray hairs that you. Guys everybody talks about.
0: Everybody talks about grinding. And I'm like, this is the first episode where somebody's like legit grinding.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I, was, I um, yeah, go ahead. Well, one thing I was going to ask, like, and I'm sure maybe at, uh, in your time in Iowa, or, or maybe there was the same at Loris, but like, did you? And just because obviously you're you're a young cat, and there's technology now, um, were you able to find others? Other DACA students who were like, you know, someone that you could go to because you're talking to all these university people who don't understand because they're not uh, a DACA student or, you know, and there's talk of, uh, you know, like you mentioned, like possibly ending it and, you know, kind of at the beginning of it, you're one of the first classes of, well, nobody really knows how to handle it. You know, were you able to find other students let alone student athletes but just other students who were in the same boat as you so that way you had some idea of like okay hey they're going through this too
4: yeah no um at laura's it took a while but um it was actually amazing how you know timing and and life but sergio Perez, who's now the um chief advisor for diversion inclusion to the college um who was a Lourdes
1: grad. He, at the it's time- It's the was, grad hour, everyone.
4: Yeah. But, uh,
0: <laughs> he was
1: like, around when I was around. He's a little older, I think. Yeah, he,
4: um, he became the, I, I guess, the. he was working in diversity, inclusion, and equity work in the intercultural programs office. Uh, we got there at the same time. Um, and he was a Lourdes grad when, you know, he has a story of his own. And he slowly, again, I think, one of the major pieces about being a student athlete is and again, this is another topic that we can jump into um, is a lot of times how much, how how disconnected we are from other faculty and staff, right? I think we're so grinded into our own routine and our coaches that we don't, that we don't connect with other people on campus. But um, I started separating myself a lot from, my daily routine to check in with my college advisor, Dr. Karen, who to this day is one of my best friends. Um, and Sergio, who who was, uh, at the time again, um, um, in charge of the intercultural programs office and just being in that space and and chatting with other students, um, uh, traditional students who were not student athletes, um, again, slowly you start to hear like, yeah, you know, I have DACA or, or if I don't have DACA, I know someone who has it. Um, and we were able to create a network of faculty and staff at Laura's where when news were out there or when we felt that the campus had a weird vibe to it, we knew that, okay, we need to host a meeting or, or check in with someone. Um, so I think like for a lot of people out there, you know, one of the biggest things that you know, a lot of people ask me, like, so what do we do? Right. Uh, well, I don't know. My If I tweet at, you know, the current administration to not in it's probably not going to make a big difference, but um, from the coaching perspective is making sure that you're connecting with your student athletes, especially if you know that they're in that situation. And um, given the, the platform to connect with others on campus, I think it's, it's huge because they're able to like put the stress of making sure you're performing on the field into someone else's plate right and then they're able to say okay let's work work through it um but yeah that was kind of like how i got through it um I, I had a good network of people that helped me navigate you know navigate that space so
1: with with you did you feel there was something that you were able to eventually go i mean you talked about you being able to go to Rather about a little bit and stuff did you feel it was something that your teammates were also able to help you through at times, even if they had no idea where you were coming from and stuff like that?
4: Um. Yes and no. I had, you know, we carried a big roster. Oh yeah. Um, but we had, and I had my, you know, really good friends um, who, who knew who I was, who knew my story, uh, who understood, you know, because um, one of the other things too, a lot of times. Um, that I realized when I was in that space Um, not uh, there's times where not everyone deserves to hear your story. Um, And there's some value to that. Um, But a lot of my close friends, I mean, they knew who I was and they knew when to check in and they knew when I was off or, you know, when, when I was having a good day. Right. Um, But no, I mean, to be completely honest with you, a school like Laura's is primarily uh, white, you know, privileged kids. Um, and, you know, I give you, I guess I give you an example if not going to say names, but I had a teammate who got an underage drinking ticket and his parents framed it and they thought it was funny. If I get an underage drinking ticket, I probably would have ended up getting deported, meaning that my family would have had to probably relocate to Mexico because I'm the oldest of four. And my mom said one day, if anything happens to you, we're all going with you because we're family. Um, so that's kind of like the reality of of what a lot of us go through, right? We see some of these decisions that some of my and I try, I try to understand, right? I mean, if I was rich and if I was a citizen, if I if I had if I got arrested and if the only thing I had to do was call my mom or dad to come bail me out, I probably would have done it, right? I mean, it's part of it. But for me, seeing that, I mean, it was just like, man, I don't think they understood the, you know, what some of us have to go through. Or, yeah. but eventually, it, I, I had a one of my favorite memories from, from playing was, um, a lot of us got together and played for the Union summer team that just started, and we drove to a, uh, Dolores guys, uh, we had something going on, so we drove separately to a game and one of the guys who was typically not the most, like, talkative or, you know, inclusive, I guess, you know, he was always kind of, like, on his own. He asked me, he's like, so, Rod, like, you know, I see and I've noticed these things, but can you explain to me? And that was actually one of the times that I came out and say, like, yeah, this is where I come from. This is why I'm here. This is what I go through. This is what I'm doing. And I'm never going to forget that because they were all, like, Uh, we had no idea you're my teammate and we play and we drink together and I had no idea you were going through this right so um yeah it was it was kind of like one of those moments like even again it reminds you you think you're close with someone but are you really close with them right are you really do you really understand who they are and what they're going through
0: Did you notice a change in your teammates once they found out your story?
4: I would say towards my late, yeah. I think when I started being more vocal about it, um, I definitely feel like guys respected me more. um, And they respected the, you know, the costs a lot more. Um, And in a way that I noticed that it was – you know, again, I was very much like, okay, let's drop to things on campus. Let's make sure we're getting involved. So if I, if I would send a, you know, one of the times that I spoke on campus um, at one of the, we had a house where we did events and when DACA was on the line, uh, another two DACA students and myself, we spoke about our stories in front of student athletes. And we had, you know, had probably half of the team there. Um, and the ones that weren't there, they, you know, they had, they had class or they had work or something going on. Uh, but that's when I realized like, okay, they're here, they're listening. They want to know what's going on. Um, uh, again, takes so much work and so much, you know, emotion to get to that point. But I have, I mean, I have the privilege that I'm sitting in a podcast where a lot of people are going to listen to this and, you know, I know I'm going to be Okay right but there's so many out there students student athletes who are afraid of saying yeah I'm a DACA student or I'm undocumented because of what that could lead to right
1: yeah I think the thing that I've always um I would say even more recently especially like I've become more exposed to the DACA stuff as everyone has like because again it's kind of like you said you started in like uh, 2014 I mean I guess it would have been was it 2014 when it was Uh, officially enacted I'm trying to remember
4: yeah because it would have been I think it was yeah I think it was around those years
1: I knew it was it's somewhere in that range or whatever so it's still I mean it's still very new to a lot of us I think the thing that has been the message that I try to talk to people about that when I have these conversations is the amount of stories like yours or the people like you where it's just I think unfortunately with the way certain populations and we don't get too political on this podcast, I guess, perceive.
0: I love every time Nick brings up, we don't get political, he gets political.
1: <laughs> but the way certain people perceive DACA is like, oh, they're coming in to take your jobs or they're coming in to do all. It's like, no, no, they're just, they're coming in and they're doing what you do. Like working crappy jobs for insane hours to put themselves through school or to keep their families healthy. And stuff like that. And that's the thing I think that it's great to hear your story because anyone that I know who's ever met you has nothing but incredible things to say about you, not only as a a soccer player, but as a person. And I think that's the thing that I'm excited to get this story out there because, and not to say every population has bad people. Don't get me wrong. Like there's bad people of every single population in the entire country, but the the overwhelming majority of anyone I've ever met that's a DACA student or even, even someone that come here illegally is all they want to do is provide a better life for their families and they're not bothering anyone. They just want to do what what they can to make a better life for the the next generation behind them. And that's where and it's cool getting stories like yours out there because I think hopefully the more people that hear these things, it, it'll take that stereotype and that predisposition to have a just a negative view on that stuff and, and remove it
4: yeah it's um man um while you were talking i i was i remember i read an article by on it's called uh it's in the here let me see the players tribute tribute yep.
3: which is by by, place. by
4: by miguel Aguilar, who is a professional soccer player and um you know it's titled undocumented and essentially he's telling his story and how um it's funny because he's from ciudad juarez which is like from the same state that i am he moved to the u.s when i was 11 when he was 11 same age as me um went through college same thing you know was talking about his story but yeah it's the way i describe dreamers is I don't know if we get more American. I think we're as American as it gets. Yeah. You know, we want to get an education, uh, pro- give back to the community. Um, you know, I've, I've always said this. I think when I talked with people and um, shared my story, I've always said, I, the only thing we're looking for is a fair chance at life. That's it. We don't want, I, I never, never in my life, have been giving like here's this for you everything from everything that i have in my life i've worked for it uh and that's the mentality like you said i mean sure there's people out there who don't value it right but it's a very small percentage that we put the spotlight on uh to push an agenda because when the reality the reality is that most of us are just looking for that opportunity to just have a chance at life to better ourselves and and to be able to own a house and get a job and and do things the right way.
0: Yeah. With your, like in your situation now being a coach and, and now you're on the other side of, of being that student athlete going through all that, how does this now allow you to work with those students from DACA, whether it's they're trying to come play for you or, you know, maybe, um, you know a teammate of yours who's maybe a coach and and gets a student and they're not really for sure of, of the whole DACA thing and maybe they get in touch with you where do you find yourself now using your coaching platform um in working with those those DACA students
4: yeah so um I guess I have there. there's two things that I that I go with that um I think it's so important nowadays uh, and, and I've always, I'm always going to do this whether I'm a assistant coach, head coach someday, I think it's so important for college coaches to be connected with local Latino clubs in their cities. Because one of the things that I realize now is that a lot of, you know, undocumented students or docket students is a lot of schools, if you have good grades, allow you to find a way to make it work. Right. So it's so important to start mentoring these young players from a young age and, and building a relationship with them to where you, if you say you got to get your, you know, your act together in, in school and, and do things the right way there, there's actually a message being received. And I'm doing that. I, I just got involved with the club here. Um, and I, I asked, I, I see a lot of Latinos. I want to coach nothing but Latino kids. Um, so that's one way that I've, that I, you know, envision myself, I guess, providing specifically here in Tulsa, um, that help to the community, but also, um, from the college way, um, the university of Tulsa is different because it's a private school. You can get money from, uh, you know, academics, if you have good grades and on top of that, you get, you know, it's a division one school, we get scholarships. Um, but it's, for me, I guess, being a coach, and again, I just got started, but it's saying, like, if anyone that's listening to this doesn't know where to go or doesn't know what to do maybe with the player or how to navigate that, um, I've been very fortunate that through my sharing my story, I have learned about other coaches have helped other students in similar situations to mine. So I think there's a network of us who, if you reach out saying, this is who I am, this is my story, or how do I do this? I think there's ways for us to help people. And and whether we send them to a community college where then eventually they can transfer and get some money to make it work, or, um, you know, there's schools out there who give a lot of scholarship money to DACA students. Depending on the state, you know, in some states it's illegal for, universities and colleges to enroll an undocumented student so depending on the state you might not want to go to college in that school you know um and there's other states that if you're undocumented i mean you get tons of benefits and you're able to make it work um so primarily for me uh specifically here at Tulsa because i'm fairly new you know i've only been here for a month um i think uh I've also reached out to administration and say, like, this is who I am and I'd like to get connected with um, with diversity inclusion and equity um, efforts through the institution and finding ways that we can collectively just, I guess, put a package or, or a system of that if we get to that point of where, like, okay, we have an undocumented dreamer on campus, we know what to do, right? Because to me, I can't tell you how emotionally drained is this as a young you know, 17, 18-year-old to email someone saying, this is my story, or the, how do I do it, and them saying, we don't know, when it's our job to make sure that we know what to do, right? Yeah. This is not a new program. We've known this immigration has been an issue for many years. We have to put a platform together for students to make sure that they're successful on and off the field. Um, and there's no other way around it. Like, I, I, if a coach ever tells you, well, I don't know what to do, then you're talking to their wrong coach, period.
0: I'll
1: ask uh, you again.
0: I'm 23.
1: I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that even a little bit. You are
0: so you're so more well-spoken than Nick and I.
1: I like, honestly, like, I'm sitting here. We're, like, 49 minutes in at this point, and I'm just sitting here. It's like, that guy talks better than me and Sean, and I'm turning 30 <laughs> tomorrow. And so – I honestly, just the way you put things together and how articulate you are. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it shows your experience. It shows that again, age is just a, a, a number. And I think that your experience and what you're able to do has been very, just it's led you to who the person you are now, which is just a, a really, really great person. One of the things I wanted to do is to kind of highlight that a little bit. Can you talk about some of the, cause you did talk about giving back to the community and a few of those things. And I'm fortunate enough that I've known you a little bit to, see some of the things that you've done in your communities that you've been around i can you talk about maybe the setting up the i, I remember it was like a, a food donation for like yeah. your, your local was it for the high school or the club team in west liberty
4: yeah no so uh, yeah when the so i graduated in december and while i was kind of figuring out my next step i moved back home to west liberty um again it's a it's a small community about, I think about five, 6,000 um, people live in it. Uh, mo- uh, I think over 50% of the community is um, Latino or a minority, identifies as a minority. So, and most of the people in, within the town work at a meatpacking factory. So when the whole pandemic hits, you know, a lot of us grew up, essentially just you don't see mom and dad until dinner, right? Or when you get back from school or in the summer, you're kind of on your own taking care of yourself or with your cousins. You know what I mean? Like you grew up kind of taking care of yourself. So one of the things that when school shut down, um, I right away, I thought about, okay, um, kids are going to be out and about, right? It's the spring is, you know, the, the, the snow is gone. We're having good weather. Um, there's got to be a way for us to, to be able to at least help these kids. And a lot of people within the community donated to businesses for them to be able to have like free lunch. Um, and I thought that through soccer, um, uh, you know, I thought to myself, like, how could I give back through soccer to my community? Uh, so I did essentially, I put my uh, two youngest siblings to work. <laughs> um, I set up a, how old are uh, they? Uh, my brother is 13 Twelve, thirteen, yeah, and then my little sister's ten. Um, once a football, or once a baseball player, that so he's not hates soccer because there's too much running. Uh, <laughs> and then the little one doesn't like. I mean, she doesn't like soccer, but can I just I, I put a link, um, kind of description of what I was doing. Um, I did a free soccer lesson on Facebook that it was live streamed. And I was able to fundraise, I believe, uh, $1,400.
1: I looked at it. It was about that, for sure. I looked at it earlier today.
4: It was something like that. And um, I gave, um, I believe I gave enough money to one of the local ice cream shops, who is um, owned by a wonderful lady who's worked really hard to get it going. Um, And I think we were able to, like, give about. 300 free cones to the kids, you know, first come first serve. And then the rest of the money I gave, I donated to uh, the food bank that essentially came out to about 3000 meals for families. Wow. Um, so it was just, again, I mean, and, and it kind of like, it hit me again when, when the whole like giving back, because uh, it's part of, you know, here comes the lowest education, but it's given back to, to the community in ways that, you know, uh, you're able to with, you know, having access to education and, and a job and everything, um, it, it truly only took like two to three hours of work. Setting up the link wasn't hard. Um, having a lot of Facebook friends helped, um, and a couple posts and thirty-minute session of my me yelling at my siblings because they want they don't want to move or they were shy um, led to, you know, to I think you know a very good amount of, of, you know, meals and, and things that the community really took advantage. The really cool thing is I, when I was running around, you know, I donated the money. Um, obviously that, you know, they posted on social media that was great. But like for me, the reward came from, um, one of the things I did during the pandemic, I started running long distance. So I would run around town. And one of the days it was really nice that it was like 70 perfect spring weather. I ran by the ice cream shop and there was like 10 kids uh, getting ice cream cones. And man, like that, it, I mean, I got home, I, I started crying. I was like, it's, it could be as simple as a few hours of work that could make such a big impact in someone's life,
1: you know? that's awesome well one more question then we'll have sean wrap it up how how's things been with uh we haven't talked like anything about your new gig at all um, who cares about the new gig <laughs> but how? how is it i mean again you're a month in something like that i'm sure things are crazy we were talking about this freaking covid test earlier and stuff like that how how has it been being at tulsa you've, you've been there for like a month now you said.
4: yeah it's been oh, man i'm you know i was uh yeah i'm living the dream i i can't like i to me graduating from college and speaking with some of my closest mentors uh, i i was very clear that i mean tons of jobs open up every year but to me it was very important to land my first job where i was going to be surrounded by good people um because i think yeah and you know this i sadly not everyone out there uh, cares about their assistance or, or cares about the growth of, of young coaches and I think that that's a problem itself um, that's the reason why we don't have refs that's the reason why we're having to beg parents to coach at youngest age because we're not doing a good enough job of nurturing young coaches um, and honestly being here it's been it's been nothing but great you know Tom uh McIntosh the head coach. Um, has a great reputation of of helping young coaches. Um, we have Daniel, and you know who's been here for quite a while already. Uh, Jose Robles, who came from uh, FAU. He was at uh, Tyler Community College. Was at FAU for a while. Um, also coached at USF. Um, just started in, in March, right before the pandemic. Uh, and then we have Owen McCurkle, um, who's my roommate. Actually, he's sleeping already. Um, <laughs> but he's a GA Um, again, really, we just have a good group of guys. Right. So it it makes it fun to go into the office and um, completely different dynamic from what we had at Laura's. Um, You know, obviously it's division one. So there's, you know, kids a little bit more in a, you know, tight schedule. Um, But, you know, just, I guess the first month has just been, I've said, I just sit there. I help out. We go out there. Owen and I go out there early. We set up the, the, you know, the session room for the coaches. Um, And then it's just been, it's been a learning experience, right? I see myself in this position as an opportunity for me to grow as a coach um, and to take from people that have been doing it for a while. And, you know, Tom's had a lot of success at Tulsa. Um, So yeah, again, I'm living the dream. There's no no other way around uh, to put my current situation. Uh, But yeah, it's been a lot of fun.
0: I, I wouldn't say it's are living the dream, my friend. I would, I would go on a limb and say that you are the American dream. Everything that we've, we've, we've ever learned about, uh, when it comes to the American dream. I mean, brother, you are that. Um, and, and, and like Nick said, you know, hopefully, your story uh, leads on to others who, who may have students, you know, maybe there's a high school coach listening to this right now who has some undocumented students in their school. Uh, or, you know, like you said, maybe they, they know from their little feeder program uh, that they're going to have some of these students that are, that are going to need this help. So, um, man, forget being a Hollywood A-lister. This guy is going to change the world
4: um you are gonna give me more grays than i already have
0: no 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 well you know what i'll i'll take some of them and add to what i've already got but um you know just what a
3: uh, whatever hold
0: on. okay hold on people cannot see us but we're we're now going on the call and i've got a horrible lighting situation here where uh you're not going to be able to see you got the flow going on yeah i had it was up in the ponytail earlier but when I pull it back, you can see completely on the sides uh, what my wife refers to as my distinguished marks. Yeah, um, yeah. I call them my my married with children marks. Um, but yeah, man, like uh, yes, this is a coaching podcast, but at the same time, it's it's we're all about what we can do to make things better for all. Um, and we've yeah. had so many different. Um, especially through the COVID we've had, you know, with black lives matters um, and, and everything that it's just, it it's, it's great to have your story because now, like I said, I just had my first experience with a, with a DACA student this spring. And I know that's not going to be the last one. And you, know, you mentioned about, you know, we don't, those kids can't have a coach go, well, I don't know. And unfortunately I was that guy. I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to go find out. Um, yeah. And, and did whatever I could to, to figure out, you know, what we could do for that student. And, and then it turned into, okay, we're unable to do anything at our school. I'm going to find someone who can, and it was able to find, um, you know, a, a school for that kid. Um, but man, like I said, like when you when your coaching is done, I feel like serving the public, serving the people uh, of this country uh, in, in ways to represent uh, you've got that down pat, my friend.
4: Well, here's the other thing about DACA. I, unless I become a citizen, I don't, I don't think I can serve in any, I guess, political position or
0: yeah. So well, You, you oh. don't have, everyone has a voice. You don't, you don't have to have uh, yard signs in people's yard every four <laughs> years. You know what I'm saying? Like you can make a difference just being who you are and doing what you're doing. Um, and you know, maybe things will change and maybe when maybe we'll have our first uh first president who was a daca student uh yeah. and we could say that he was on our show yeah, that, that. <laughs> but that yeah i crazy. was on some podcasts a long time ago yeah, yeah. soccer yeah. chat
1: not nobody you know you better give yeah. us if it ever gets to that point you better give us a shout out so
4: here's the thing so when i told daniel about it he's like yeah I, i've been in it a couple of times i was like "Whoa, <laughs> my bad yeah
0: <laughs> But
4: he, uh, he he yeah, definitely no. was
0: like, yeah, I'm good with the whole podcast thing. I can, I can do it. I'm yeah, like, and he, he right,
4: sent whatever. me a couple of tips, and he's like, you gotta do this. They're gonna ask you this at the end. You gotta have a song ready. Um,
0: oh, okay. so he gave you the heads up on that one.
4: He gave me the heads up, so I did prepare. But um, no, I think I guess just to kind of wrap it up. Um, you know, first and foremost, like I appreciate you guys uh, providing this platform. Right, I. I I got into podcasts big time during pandemic, you know, I would run my work. I was always a podcast a day. Um, so I thought that was a really cool way of me getting uh, to learn about um, some, you know, podcasts to you guys. I did a lot of um, modern soccer coach and uh, Gary Grinney stuff. The Gary um, Grinney network. <laughs> uh, no, it was fun. But um, yeah, I think, you know, just, I mean, I think we've learned this in the last few months um through sports we have the power to impact our society uh and we have to take that to heart I think it, it doesn't matter whether you're a club coach high school coach um, you know if you don't if, if you don't stand up for your players and for for the right thing for for the overall picture then and what are you doing you're go sell I don't know go to business go do you know something that has no impact in the world um uh, but when you're dealing with people um And and again, I'm not saying we have all the answers. I don't, we don't have all the answers, but, you know, the first thing on fixing a problem is recognizing we have one. Um, And then, you know, the rest flows from that. Um, But I think, like I said, um, I hope whoever's listening to this podcast, um, you know, give me a shout on social media, email, whatever. Um, Like I said, I'd like to get a, a network of, coaches that are passionate about the topic or just about any topic when it comes to diversity and inclusion and equity work. Um I'm twenty-three. Um again I don't I have got a long ways to go but twenty
0: three talking like he's thirty six.
4: I was gonna say still don't believe it. My birth certificate check with
0: met ma- with a master's and a doctorate.
4: <laughs> no, that I'd be I'd be the if 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 I was thirty six, I again I graduated last fall, I'd be probably had the right re- I would have the record for the up there with Kutsky, I think if uh, Razor
1: knows Oh, God. Kutsky, what did he graduate at? Like, 28? Yeah, like, 29. He was
4: like, <laughs> uh, for those that don't know, Kutsky, it, it took a while, but he made it. Kutsky uh, played with me. Did he play with you? No. He, I played with him at Union.
1: Okay. But, I was going to say, um, Kutsky was still there when I was there in '09, And I was like, if he was still playing with you back in, like, 2016, we have a problem.
4: No, I think he graduated in fourteen.
1: He was on a very long college plan though.
4: He's he was.
1: Like <laughs> it took
4: him it took him a while. Up there with Bradley too. Bradley was was hitting those years. But um no, but uh yeah, no, like I said, um, yeah, let's get to work. Um
0: well you mentioned the networking I mean really soccer chat that's what we're all about is networking and getting coaches connected so you mentioned the social media and and, and the contact info you know what how can people contact you uh if if they want to connect
4: yeah um yeah obviously I'm I love twitter um big twitter guy um so obviously through Twitter you know I'll give out my cell phone doesn't matter whoever it is um yeah just twitter email you know you can find it uh, you go to Tulsa Men soccer uh my Tulsa emails there um my twitter i don't know what my twitter name is but um
0: what is it uh, with I the loris people not knowing what their twitter handle is i mean it was me that started <laughs> yeah but uh yeah but we'll put the link in the in the in the show bio for you
4: yeah um yeah reach out like i said i i'm always happy to help out um in any ways that that i can um And yeah, I, 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 like I said, I'm, I hope this podcast, uh, helps people out in in some way, shape or form. So,
0: and you you mentioned that you studied and you had some notes from Daniel. So if you could describe your coaching philosophy in a song as our last question, what song would it be? My coaching
4: philosophy. Yeah.
0: In a song song best describes your coaching philosophy.
4: Oh my god! He did not prepare me for that one.
0: Oh!
3: He
4: told me. He told me what's you like? What's one of your a song that describes you? Yeah,
3: that's basically like, it. Yeah.
4: Oh my god! No, nah, that's two completely different questions.
0: No, um, it's describing your coaching style. Uh, my coaching
4: style in a song. Um. Hmm. I really like, um, one of my favorite songs that I resonate with a lot is, uh, the pretender by Jackson Brown. Mm -hmm. I don't know if, if anyone else, um, since it's just a song about, um, this guy walking through the park and seeing all these things going on and just pretending that he's going on with his day and going through the motions. Um, but I would say like, (laughs) uh, I don't know. Probably pretending someone that knows it all and has no idea what he's doing. I don't know. I
0: um, well, we don't know always, anything that we're doing either. So okay.
1: we always, yeah, I, always I, bring We
0: pretend a lot of stuff
1: just to learn and to steal everyone. Yeah. I right? just to make you guys look smart because I the standards set very low by me and Sean. So anyone that comes on here just looks really brilliant. Just it is. I'm just. I'm I'm upset you're not wearing the red hoodie, man. I, it's a little hot for the red hoodie. I, I like. I there's only like, it's like it's like 75 degrees here right now. There's there's a certain temperature that I cannot wear it. I have it It's somewhere around here. But he's I still I he's
0: still wear wearing baggy pants though. Probably at this moment in time.
1: No, not David Cohen Smith and me got I got issues that we need to talk about later anyway.
0: <laughs> the only thing I hope for is that this
4: podcast gets more likes and retweets and listens than poochies. Because then you know if you know poochie, Poochie likes to talk about how good he was back in the day. Oh. And, I, and how he would mag everyone. Um, so I just want to say, like, hey, my podcast got more listen and retweets and likes than yours did. So we will that.
1: make sure that happens.
0: That For would
4: be great.
1: Sure. We will sure. make sure that happens. Poochie's a jerk. We'll, we'll
0: make sure that. <laughs> That's what we, we should title this episode Poochie's a Jerk. Poochie
1: is a jerk. is <laughs> a jerk. Let's <laughs> learn about dreamers.
0: So. Oh. Mr. Fierro Perez Rodell, man, welcome to the club, welcome to the family, and uh, thank you so much for coming on and joining us.
4: Yeah, I appreciate it so much. Uh, thank you, guys, and I hope everyone stays safe. Um, yeah, I keep you know supporting the podcast. Uh, it's a great platform for you to get to know others. Um, let's continue to you know to change the world we live in.